0: Morning, Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly glad to be among you guys on this morning and certainly grateful that you guys started out Robert to spend a little bit of time with your boy as you're getting up on this feel-good Friday morning. Got a jam-packed show for you today. Uh, we're gonna find uh, that there is a new scroll that was discovered over in the Middle East, and we're gonna be talking about that just a little bit. We're also gonna be talking about how to deal with reality when feeling like we're being gaslit. Got a got a client that I want to um, kind of share some nuggets of wisdom with you guys about on that. And we're also gonna answer a question from the chat, talking about you know whether or not God is actually female rather than male. Um, and then we got a feel good a story for you guys talking about sleep and how that snooze button might actually be a little bit better for you than you realize. Uh, but we're going to start off with um, our morning musing talking about learning for the glory of God. And so we're going to start off with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into our scripture from today. We're going to start in Colossians chapter two, um, starting at verse number one in our in our morning musing for this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're thankful that you thought it not robbery to give us this opportunity to worship you in spirit and truth. And Lord God, we're just so grateful that you've gotten us through another week in your name. Lord God, we're grateful for this Friday. Grateful for every person that's coming onto the show right now. Thankful for every like, every share, every commenter on today, Lord God, every follower that we're going to get on today, Lord God. We're just asking that we just be a blessing upon them in a mighty and powerful way. Lord God, we ask that every word that comes from my mouth, Lord, that it be all of you and none of me. Lord God, we're just thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, that paved the way for us by dying on the cross and rising again. Crediting His righteousness to us, that we may be called the righteousness of God, may be called the image bearers of God, may be called delivered, set free. Your child, your son, your daughter, a um, uh, um, uh uh, 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 I can't get the word out of my mouth right now. Um, um, a cho- chosen race, a royal priesthood, Lord God, uh, an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ, Lord God. We're just thankful that You call us saved, You call us redeemed, You call us loved, You call us beloved. Lord God, we're just grateful that Jesus Christ paved the way for us, that we may be able to commune with you, to be able to sup with you, to be able to learn more about you, and to delight ourselves in you as we share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with one another, that someone may be saved, someone may be delivered, may be healed, and may be edified. Lord God, we just lift this show up up, up to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So again, we're going to be t- we're going to continue our um, conversation today um, as we're talking about the spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. Um, I call them faith works, and so the series has been entitled Faith Works. But as I had um, as I showed you guys before, so I shall show you again. Everything that I'm pulling is coming out of this book called The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney, one of the best books that you could ever read talking about the spiritual disciplines, talking about prayer, talking about fasting, talking about Bible intake, talking about... Um you know um, worship uh journaling, meditation, and what all these things um how we can utilize and maximize all these things to glorify God and to learn more about him and to commune with him um and to glorify his name, and so i'm ripping everything straight from this book, so i 'm not some super heady, knowledgeable person, which is actually the point of today 's topic because we're going to be talking about learning. For the glory of God learning to sharpen our discipline in him um, we're going to start in Colossians chapter 2 but we're going to do a drive by just like we did um, just like we've done earlier in the weeks to give us an understanding a robust understanding of what we're doing when we're learning for the glory of God Colossians chapter 2 starting at verse one says, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head and rule of all authority. Um, Paul is describing what we as the believers have to be ever so careful of that we are not easily deceived by empty deceit and empty philosophies. And so we have to be ever so careful that we're not putting ourselves in a position where we are easily deluded by plausible arguments and easily deluded by things that are not of God. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself um, warns us of this in Matthew chapter 24. When he says in Matthew chapter 24, starting at verse 23, If anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the very elect. Paul warns Timothy of this same thing in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says in verse 1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds the promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe, command, and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when, you, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that, you all, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will both save yourself and your hearers. Lastly, in 2 Peter, um, um, Peter warns of false prophets and teachers. He says in verse number 1 of 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 2 Peter chapter 2, But false prophets arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Skip down to verse 17. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back to the Holy Commandment, turn back from the Holy Commandment to be delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the soul, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. There's one more place the Holy Spirit is leading me to in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him that was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. Um, I don't think that's what where it was there we go I'm sorry it was it's was chapter 2 not chapter 4 um, similar words but different things they were saying in chapter 2 the end of chapter 2 verse 42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the Apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. So I'm saying all of this to um, to remind us as believers that it is so important that we devote ourselves to learning about our faith. I've said this before, and again I ripped it straight from somebody else. So this isn't my this isn't mine. This belongs to Tim Ross. But Tim Ross said that when a person is working for the US Treasury, their train their 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 part of their training um before they become official in the um in the US Treasury is that they have to spend months looking at dollar bills. So they study $1 bills, $5 bills, $10 bills, $20 bills, 50s, 100s and whatever the denominations are. They spend months studying these bills. They know everything about these bills. They know how big they are, what they feel like, the texture that they're made, the texture that they feel. He remembers um he remembers they they know they know um you know what the ink looks like They might even know what the ink smells like by the time that they're done. They spend months doing this, and then every so often they will slip in a counterfeit. And and looking at the counterfeit, if they've studied those bills long enough, they are able to catch even the tiniest mistake, the tiniest thing that's off. And they may not be able to spot it right away and say, oh, that's the issue, but they'll look at it or they'll feel it and, like, something's wrong with this bill. Something's not quite right about this bill. I don't know. It, it it's just doesn't seem right. It's kind of off. the The nose is a little crooked on the president. Um, the lettering is a little bit off. You know, the, there's a, something just ain't seating right. The, the ink is kind of off by the tiniest degree, and that's how well they can spot a counterfeit. God gives us the Bible. But in addition to the Bible, again, in the Bible, is, and let me, let me make sure I'm saying this right. God gives us the Bible. This is the foundation from which everything else should spring forth. God gives us the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the foundation from which everything else is built. If it is not from the gospel, then it's not the gospel. And so everything comes from that foundation, the foundation being Jesus Christ, the foundation being what he has accomplished in the world. Some people would even dare would even say that we never graduate from the gospel, which is true. Just because we know what the gospel is doesn't mean that we ever graduate from the gospel. We are literally learning the gospel every single day from now till kingdom come for the gospel is not the the ABCs of our faith. It is the A to Z of our faith. It is everything about our faith. Without the gospel, we are nothing. There is nothing that we're adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelation. That is what we're that's everything. Everything is about the gospel. Everything is about Jesus. Um the 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 the, the, old, the old testament prophets prophesied about him. We got four Gospels about him, and then all of the things that happened in Acts all the way to Revelation are the testament of what he has accomplished for us. The Gospel is everything. They, nevertheless, as I tell you guys all the time, and where is my book? Just over here. Where is it? Um, let me see. And I'll pull this one out too. As I tell y'all all the time, if you've been on the show long enough, and let me flip this around once again. This is the book that told me what the gospel is. I've been in I've been in churches my whole life, have been ministering for a good number of years, but in 2014. One random day, my wife and I went to Books A Million, saw this, and was like, oh, this is interesting. This is the book that finally taught me the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I thank God for people like Matt Chandler who thought it not robbery to write a book to teach people what the gospel is. Because had I never read that book, I may still not know what the gospel is to this day. Like, it took that book to teach me what the gospel is. Oftentimes, we as believers feel as though the only place that we can learn from is this book or from our favorite preachers, like the ones that we sit up under. We feel like they're the only ones that can teach us something about the about God and about who he is. But God has given us such a wealth of knowledge dating all the way back to our ends, our our Christian brothers and sister ancestors. You know, talking about Ignatius, talking about Saint Saint Augustine, talking about um 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 I can't remember their names off the top of my head right now. I wish I should have put a list up. Um, but a lot of those boys that were born from AD seventy forward, we have such a wealth of knowledge from good gospel-centered preachers, pastors, teachers, um, monks, um, you know, uh, theologians, the whole nine yards that desired. For us to know more about God and have given us such a library of things that if you even look at my bookshelf, most, if not all of those books are all gospel centered books. They're all gospel centered books. And as a result, we have a wealth of knowledge that helps us to be able to understand the things that we otherwise may never understand. Because, again, unless we are unless we are, you know, studying. You know, on a regular basis, we we we've run the risk of not knowing who, who Christ really is, what he has accomplished for us, because it's very easy for someone to take this book and rip it apart and make us believe whatever they want us to believe and say, just because it's in the Bible, that it must be true. As I've told you guys plenty of times before, there are many people in the world who can tell us, who will tell us You know certain things that we think we know, that they think they know about God, but they themselves can be false prophets. Not only could they be false prophets, but they also uh, could have been taught by false prophets themselves. And so they're only mirroring what they are, what they've been taught their whole lives. We have been given a treasure trove, especially in t- in 2023. We have such a treasure trove of knowledge, of wisdom, of understanding who God is, what he's done for us, what he's accomplished for us, what this means for us. We, that we, we are in a generation now where, we, by and large, we have no excuse at this point. Because as I'm about to go down the list, these are the ways that God has given us to be able to learn about him. He's given us books. He's given us commentaries. He's given us audiobooks. He's given us podcasts. He's given us online ministries, you know, online worship services. Um, he's given us book clubs. He's given us groups on Facebook, Instagram, you know, Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. You know, TikTok. You know, there are so many places now where you can get the true gospel of Jesus Christ taught to you from one from one degree of glory to the next. We are really in an age now where we have no excuse for not knowing who Jesus is. We have no excuse for not knowing who the who who Christ is who the the what he has accomplished for us what this means for us as being a part of God's creation what God has what God is accomplishing through us. We literally have less of an excuse now than in any other generation because there's too much information and too much knowledge that is out there that um that 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 just allows us to learn more about who he is and the scriptures tell us Paul tells us Peter tells us James tells us um you know Jesus himself tells us that we must study On a regular basis so that we are not easily deceived by people who are ripping these scriptures apart to justify false doctrines, to justify false ideas, to justify false teachings. We, the believers, have to be ever so careful that we don't get caught up in our flesh and in being caught up in our flesh. Are easily deluded by things that people are saying that make sense. Because again, just because it makes sense doesn't mean that it's godly. We walk more more often than not by faith, not by things that make sense. A lot of um a lot of our um our atheists and a lot of our unbelievers, you know, they talk a lot about, you know, make it make sense. You know, where is God? Can you show me where he is? Do you have the ocular proof and all this other type of stuff? And we, and we our response is God said, "We walk by faith, not by sight." So, I don't have I don't have that. I don't have that insight. I don't have what you're looking for. You know, but, but then, and it's because the scriptures tell us like he he told us that it's better for those who have not seen and yet believe. He didn't tell us, you know, I mean, blessed are those who have seen, sure. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Like that's what Jesus himself said. And so if we're not careful, though, we will allow those plausible arguments to delude us into thinking that something that is a lie is actually true. And the truth about God is a lie. And so we have to be ever so mindful that we are studying, that we're learning As much as we can, as often as we can, about who God is and what he has accomplished for us. We, the believers in God, have been given such a treasure trove of insight, a treasure trove of information, a treasure trove of wisdom from some really good gospel-centered folk. We got some really good, really good, you know, helps, really good books, really good insights, the whole nine yards. And those things have been given to us as a way to learn more about God. Again, the learning is not so that we can one up people. A lot of people feel like, you know, oh, my goodness, you know, I know so much more than other folk. And I'm studying so I can be able to one up people so I can argue with them. So I can, you know, um, you know, show them, you know, oh, you know, I can show them that I, that I'm better than them. No, that's not what we're learning for we're learning so that we can stay abreast to what is true because the less that we study the more the much more the much, the much more easily the a, a plausible argument can seep in again we have to be ever so careful that we can spot a counterfeit a lot of us a lot of us have a tendency a tendency to see a counterfeit and think that it's true. I mean, if you just look through the comment section right now, there's a plethora of counterfeits that are rolling through right now. And if we're not careful as believers, we'll be we'll think, hmm, that actually makes a whole lot of sense. I wonder what they're talking about. I wonder what they mean. And as a result, we, the believers in God, it's not we don't get angry with people. Who don't believe like we do. Instead, we just check. We check. We put it. We put anything. I see what you did, God. I see what you did. I see it. I see it. I see it. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse number three. Though we walk in the flesh. We are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that is raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. And so what we, so what we find here and Don, I'm scared. That's all I'm going to say. I'm scared. What we do is we take the knowledge of God and we, 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 whatever thing comes up against us in some way, shape or form, we then take it and place it under the submission of Christ. Does this make sense? According to the gospel, according to what God is doing in this world, what he's trying to accomplish through the finished work of Christ what he is setting out to do as, as far as, you know, the new heavens and the new earth when it's ushered in is what this person is saying to me. Does that make sense according to the gospel? Because if it doesn't, then we take it and we chunk it. But if it does, then we apply it. That's why, again, I tell you all all the time, don't get into an argument with an unbeliever. Unbelievers are not going to make sense. Nor are they going to understand our position because you've got to have a relationship with Jesus in order to be able to understand anything that we're talking about. You've got to have a relationship with the Lord. So don't get into arguments and squabbles with pe- with people who's who have you know decided this is the line that I'm that I'm standing on. Rather hear them out, place it under the Summit of Jesus, the under the underneath the feet of Jesus, and then decide. Is is this true? Is what they're saying does it does it make sense for the for the sake of the gospel? Not does it make sense you know to, to to follow them just because they're making sense of what they're saying? No, does this make sense as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ? A lot of us again in this chat box you know say what you say what you gotta say just keep it classy, ask your questions and keep it classy. But at the end of the day, we don't get into arguments because at the end of the day, we're going to listen to what you got to say and place it underneath the feet of Jesus. Does what you say line up with the gospel? So I'm going to take what you got to to say, which is what you're going to see later on today on the show. Take what you said, and I'm going to place it underneath all this stuff that I've learned, all this stuff that I'm studying all the things that I've been reading on, all the things that I've been listening to from other pastors and other preachers from different podcasts, different churches, different you know friends of mine that I've talked to. All these things that we've been discussing related to the gospel, my own relationship with the Lord, communing with him, supping with him, studying under his feet, and then decide, is what you're saying making sense according to the gospel? If it doesn't, then... Yay, we good, you know, but at the end of the day, what we have to be careful of as believers is that we don't become complacent. That's thank you, God. It was like, where is this train going? We got to be careful that we don't get complacent because some of us can feel like I got it. I got everything that I need. I know enough about God. I know enough about Jesus. I know enough about my faith. I don't need to study no more. We can never exhaust the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Every day we can learn just a little bit more about who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. We all need reminders of who he is and what he's accomplished. So don't be afraid and don't be ashamed to crack open a book about the Lord. Like I told y'all, you know, the, the book that I'm ripping from right now. Again, just so that everybody everybody knows that I'm not just sitting here just whistling Dixie. The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. This is the book that taught, that that gave me a better understanding of how we learn. That we learn for the purpose of godliness. You know, and it's books like that. Again, my bookshelf behind you is got a whole bunch of books up there. Half of them I haven't even written yet. I haven't even read yet. You know, and all these different books, you know, are different facets of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of them talking about, you know, you know, the different gods that we got to look out for. Some of us teaching us how to have a better prayer life. Some of them teaching us how to walk as a Christian. Some of them teaching us how to, you know, figure out how to, um, how to, you know, love our brothers and sisters. Some of us teaching us how to, you know, how to live better and how to do better. How to, you know, um, you know, how to, how to be a better, you know, church member and Everything else in between, how to know how to hear from the Holy Spirit, like all of those things are things that godly men and women have written and some of them devoted their whole lives studying so that they can tell us, you know, what God has shown them. And then we take what they've learned and then we apply apply the gospel to it. Because sometimes these men and women may get it wrong. They they may get some pieces, pieces of it wrong. And so we take what they've given And we apply the gospel to it. Does this make sense to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And as such, we're able to then walk in lockstep with Jesus Christ one day at a time, one moment at a time, growing from one degree of glory to the next. And so, again, I tell anyone, you know, if you are struggling to understand what the gospel is and what the gospel does, I recommend these three books to anybody, and I'm going to flip to my camera one more good time so that you guys are able to see. And actually, I'm going to give you all four of them once again. So if you're, if you're here and paying attention, these are the four books that I, that I recommend to anybody, and I'm going to tell you why I recommend them. This first book is called The Explicit Gospel. This book is exactly what it says it is. It actually walks you through what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, straight up it just it just from front to back this is the gospel of Jesus Christ and I'm written by one of the best authors and one of the best pastors i've ever come across in my time a shorter version of that book is what is the gospel by greg gilbert very thin book called what is the gospel by greg gilbert if you want a shorter version of what the gospel is the second book or the third book rather is Recovering Redemption by Matt Chandler once again. The, if if the explicit gospel is what the gospel is, Recovering Redemption is what the gospel does. This shows us how once we are saved from um from our sins, how God then goes through the process of sanctification. This book is basically like the 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 wife to the husband of the explicit gospel. So if you get these two books, sandwich them side by side, then you can you can believe that you will have a robust understanding of what the gospel is today. Lastly, Lastly, the Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Greg Gilbert, Greg Gilbert. The um, final book is the Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. This actually walks us through what prayer is, what fasting is, what reading the Bible is is supposed to do for us, prayer, worship, um, evangelism, um, uh, lifelong learning, like what we're talking about right now today. Um, shoot. What else does it talk about? Evangel serving, stewardship, silence and solitude, journaling, learning, perseverance, all these things it teaches us not just what they are but why we do them and gives you practical applications on how to do them. So again, I say all that to say all these are all of these are gospel centered. All and so you can trust that these are books that you can rely on and these books will enhance the relationship that you have with God in so much that because it's gospel centered it will allow you to be able to walk in lockstep with Christ just a little bit closer. So again, don't be intimidated to go read something. Don't be intimidated and and don't let people tell you, oh, all you need is the Bible. That's true, but I thank God for somebody who can break the Bible down and give it to me simple. And that's what these books do. That's what podcasts do. That's what preachers and pastors do. That's what, you know, people who write blogs, that's what they do. They break this stuff down so we can understand it and unpack it. For at the end of the day, if we don't have an understanding of anything, you, we can read this Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But if they don't, if they're not telling us anything, what's the point? You feel me? Like, it, what, what's the point if if we don't understand it? And so, again, I say all that to say, yes, the Bible is the foundation it is the living breathed spirit driven spirit led word of god but thanks be to and thanks be to god that we got some people who studied the same breed breathed stuff and has given us the ability to be able to understand and unpack what it is that we're supposed to know about our living savior and so i say all that to submit to us today as the body of, of the body of christ don't be intimidated to go pick up a book Don't be intimidated to go check something out. Don't be intimidated to go listen to a podcast. Don't be intimidated to, you know, to come in, you know, um, to come to a podcast like mine, to come to a show like mine and listen to what we have to say. Because at the end of the day, we have the ability and the opportunity to be able to submit ourselves to Jesus, submit ourselves to the feet of Jesus, and in doing so, give ourselves the ability to be able to, to walk out our faith and to have such a robust knowledge of the Lord that only enhances and increases our faith in him. Again, it's not about trying to learn a whole bunch of stuff so that we can say that we're better than anybody else, but it's about us giving being given an opportunity to learn more about who God is and in learning more about who God is, learning more about who we are in him and how we can walk lockstep in um, walking lockstep with him so that we are able to then have a relationship with Jesus Christ in such a way to where the Holy Spirit is empowering us to do what he has called us to do until such a time when he comes back to get us on that great day. And so again, I submit to us today, go buy a book, go listen to a podcast, go listen to other pastors, get outside of your echo chamber. As a matter of fact, get outside of your echo chamber. I'm glad. I'm thank you holy holy ghost. Get outside of your echo chamber and read something. Listen to something. Get, walk outside of your of of your of the echo chambers that you are existing in and see what other religions are talking about. See what, you know, what's going on in the world. You know, be a part of, you know, the daily affairs of humankind so that you can further scope out what Jesus is up to. Because the only way that we can know for certain that this word is true is if we step out into the world and we're able to, to see, I, I see it. I see Jesus in this. I see Jesus in what's going on, you know, in, in Israel and Palestine right now. I, I see what's happening. You know, I see Jesus in, you know, what's going on in our American politics right now. I see it. And I can see it because I have a better understanding of who Christ is and what he has accomplished for us. And as a result, can have a better understanding and unpack what it is that I'm supposed to know and how I can be a part of the solution and not the problem and what I need to be praying for. Like, I understand now, you know, I see what Jesus was saying when he said in Matthew chapter 24, this is the beginning of birth pains. I see it. I understand it. I unpack it. So now it can drive me to my knees. But if I stay in my echo chamber and I'm just living in a bubble, then I'll never be able to experience the fullness of joy and the fullness of peace that Christ has, you know, has given to us. And as a result of that, be able to then know how to pray, know how to, you know, better worship, know how to better teach so that people are prepared, not just to live out their daily lives in bliss. But to understand and inform themselves of what's going on in the world so that we know how to better pray, how to better serve, how to better act for the for the for the um, for the goodness of mankind. And so, again, I'm saying all that to say, get outside of your echo chambers for those for us as believers talking to the believers. So look right at me. Hit the like, hit the hit those likes if you want to. But look right at me as a believer. we, We 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 can learn a whole lot from our Bibles. I'm not, I'm not dismissing that and go get another book and read something, go, go, go hear something, go watch something, Pat, we, we want, we day ones. go read something, go watch something, go hear something so that you can be better informed of what's going on around you, but always submit what's going on around you under the feet of Jesus, Under the feet of the gospel. If you pick up books like these, if you go and, you know, and and go and study books like these, make sure you're submitting whatever you're reading under the feet of Jesus, because false prophets come in all short, all forms, shapes, and sizes. And if we're not careful, we'll end up following somebody because, you know, they sound like us or they're pretty. I can't tell you how many people I run up on on TikTok who are spewing false doctrines, but because they're cute. Everybody's following them. Everybody's believing them. Everybody's giving them the likes and the shares. And everybody's giving them the dollars, which just further inflates their platforms. I can't tell you how many false Christs are out there right now who are tickling the ears and tickling the eyes of men and women right now. And deluding them into thinking things that are not true. But because it's enticing to the flesh, they're being deluded by people who are twisting scripture to, to 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 fill their pockets. They claim they're doing it just because they want to, but let's call a spade a spade. They're trying to build a platform and they'll use whatever it takes to build it, including taking the very word of God and twisting it in such a way. And if we're not careful and don't submit that stuff under the feet of Jesus, we may fall right. We might fall headfirst into it. And before you know it, you find yourself following a whole different doctrine of Christ that is not a doctrine of Christ. I see what you did, God. I see what you did. With this, I'm going to wrap up. Galatians chapter one, verse number six. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in great in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some of you, some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before. Now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. But how will we know if they're preaching a different gospel if we don't know the gospel ourselves? So again, we got to know what the gospel is. But we got to know what the gospel is, not so that we can be heady. The knowledge of the gospel is a spirit transformation. He translates the heart of stone into a heart of flesh and gives us his spirit. So again, knowing the, knowing the gospel is not so that we can one up people. Knowing the gospel is so that we can delight in the Lord and share our delight in the Lord with others in such a way to where we are giving them who Christ is, who God is from a heart of love. That we are informing ourselves and allowing people to tell us what they know and submitting it under the feet of Jesus for the sake of godliness, not for the sake of comeuppance. And so again, we learn everything that we can as often as we can so that we can be the children of God that he has called us to be. And allow ourselves the ability to be able to scope out the false doctrines so that we are not deluded by plausible arguments. And so again, I submit that to us today, that as the believers in God, we ensure that we are learning everything that we can from one degree of glory to the next, so that we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next, that God may be glorified in everything that we say and do. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're certainly thankful for the 1,300 likes that we have received today. Thank you for every like. Thank you for every comment. Thank you for every follow. Thank you for every share. If you have missed any part of this message or would like to hear any of our past episodes, go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and you can catch all of our episodes from inception to now right there at your leisure we thank you so much we'll be right back with you in just a moment Watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, Joseph Guad- uh, Guadango, Guad- I'm gonna, i got it, I know I've just butchered that. Stay on the show later on in the show today. I'm actually going to address that very thing that you're talking about, about, about you know, believing that God is a woman. I'm going to address that very question today, so if you stay on the show long enough, I'm actually going to address that uh, right here on the show so I, I so I submit to you stay on. I'm not going to do it right now, but I will do it um during our um during our question of the chat segment that'll be happening in the seven o'clock hour, so I encourage you to stay on long enough to actually hear me answer that very issue that you um that you are talking about on today and so um so thank you for, um, for coming back on, and hopefully you'll stay on long enough for me to actually address the issue of God being a woman, as you um, so eloquently put there today. But what I want to get into today um, as our um, What Would Jesus Say segment today, there is a new gospel manuscript that was discovered, and um, the Keller Center um, by Michael J. Kruger um, says what it is and why it matters. Um, In 1896, near the um, ancient ruins of an ancient Egyptian city called Oxyrhynchus, British scholars Bernard P. Grenfeld and Arthur S. Hunt made a remarkable discovery. They traveled to the ancient city in hopes of finding papyrus manuscripts. What they found was beyond their wildest dreams. They came across the ancient city's garbage dump filled with thousands upon thousands of manuscripts. So enormous was the find that the archaeologists were overwhelmed. Grimfeld described it later, the flow of papyri became a torrent which it was difficult to cope with. For the past 127 years, the site of Oxyrhynchus has continued to produce manuscripts. While most of these manuscripts are fairly routine discoveries, including what we call documentary papyri like receipts, letters, and contracts, Occasionally, the site reveals something more significant, even exhilarating. And so, let me scroll down because this thing is long a crap. Um, Okay. Oxyrhynchus has not just supplied copies of the New Testament. It has also been a treasure trove for what we call apocryphal writings. That is, writings about Jesus that were not included in our Bibles. The very first manuscript from Oxyrhynchus, fittingly labeled P. Oxy 1, was not a copy of the New Testament, but a copy of the Gospel of Thomas. Other copies of Thomas have been found there, along with a number of other apocry- apocryphal texts, the Acts of Paul, Acts of Peter, and the Gospel of Peter. And that brings us to our current topic, and the latest exhilarating find from Oxyrhynchus. Less than a month ago, on August 31st, 2023, the 87th volume of the Oxyrhynchus Papyri was published, and therein we learn a remarkable fragment, poxy 5575. The first notable feature of this fragment, and the feature that's generated the most, of the on- most of the online buzz, is the unique mix of content it contains. According to the original editors, It apparently contains a conglomeration of material from Matthew and Luke laid alongside portions from the Gospel of Thomas. The various verses are not neatly divided into separate sections, but seem to alternate back and forth. There seems to be a section from Thomas, followed by by portions of Matthew and Luke, then back to Thomas, then back to Matthew and Luke, and so on. So what do we make of this interesting mix of content? We can begin by observing that the mixing of Matthew and Luke in early Christian texts is nothing new. We see this sort of natural synoptic harmonization in a number of places in early Christianity, including the Apostolic Fathers as well as Justin Martyr. Even so, it is unclear how much synoptic mixing is actually taking place in P Oxy 5575, especially given the fragmentary remains of the manuscript. The material seems heavily connected to Matthew leaving questions about how much Lucan material is really in it. Scroll down to the end. Um, the, I'll go into the section called Implications. poxy 5575 is a fascinating manuscript. Um, it, it has an unusual mix of material from Matthew, Luke, and from the Gospel of Thomas. It is dated as early as the 2nd century, and it was constructed to be a miniature pocketbook, probably for, for private use. Now we come to the main issue on many people's minds. What are the implications of this new manuscript discovery for our understanding of how Jesus' tradition was transmitted and used in the early Christian movement? And should this manuscript change about change what we think about the content in our four Gospels? Here we go. We can begin by acknowledging that the discovery of P. 5575 might provide a helpful correction to some rather simplistic views of the way Jesus' tradition was transmitted or how the canon developed. Some in the church who grew up reading and loving the four gospels might not even realize other gospels existed or that some Christians might have read them or profited it from them. They might think all people claiming to be Christians in the ancient world were on the same theological and biblical page, no pun intended. But that was not the case. The early Christian world, particularly the second century, was a theologically diverse place. There were battles over heresy and orthodoxy. Christians didn't always agree, and sometimes they read from different books. The existence of manuscripts like Poxy 5575 reminds us of that reality. With that said, I don't think this new manuscript discovery challenges the fundamental integrity of Jesus' tradition in the time in this time period. Here are a few considerations, and um, and he goes about talking about what those um what those considerations are, and then he says at the end, by now it is becoming it is probably becoming clear why such manuscript discoveries are so exciting. Aside from the thrill of an archaeological discovery from the ancient world. Manuscripts like P. Oxy 5575 shed light on aspects of the early Christian movement in the way that Jesus' tradition was transmitted and utilized. This new fragment, as we've noted, reminds us that these aspects of the early Christian movement were not always as neat and tidy as some people think. The development of the canon was a messy process at points, and not all early Christians saw things the same way. That said, There is nothing about P.O.C. 5575 that diminishes the trustworthiness of the Jesus material we find in the Gospels, nor does it change the way we view the Gospel of Thomas. When the dust settles, it seems if someone who wants to know about the person of Jesus of Nazareth, they can still turn with confidence to the place where Christians have turned for thousands of years. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so I love... um, I love stuff like this Um, because as you, as I tell people all the time in the same thing I'm telling you guys today, you have to know your church history or it would be good for you to know your church history. Um, Most of us, our church history just goes back as far as the church that we attend. You know, it's our 15th church anniversary or it's our 75th church anniversary or we've been in existence for 180 something years. That's as far back of church history that we know. And we think that people worship God back then the way that we worship God today. And it's just simply not so. I tell y'all all the time, a lot of what we do in the faith, was it stems from the Catholic church. And you can find that out simply by reading up on your church history, how things developed to where they are today. And so in saying that, you know... In saying that um, our challenge as believers is to know our history well enough to recognize key points in our history so that when again people are coming with plausible arguments, we don't we're not trying to argue them down, but rather we're trying to give people a better understanding of how our faith developed. How our faith developed. We gotta remember that you know, our book, our our Bible is sixty-six books. 66 different texts that were put together in a way that gives us a robust understanding from beginning to end of who Jesus is, the character and nature of God. And so these books were inspired by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit inspired these men after months and months of discussion, years and years of, you know, debates and and theological, you know, conversations and, and arguments determining These are the books that will lead people the best to Christ. Nevertheless, there were other books written. There were other books that were put out there. There were other books that people had had developed. And, you know, some of them were good, some of them not so much. And as they decided which books are they going to follow, these are the ones that they decided upon. And so, again, you know, we got to know that. We gotta know that because again, you have people, you have people who think that the Bible, the way that it's constructed today, was the way that it was constructed, um, is the way that um um is the way that it's always been. The chapters themselves that we see in our Bibles today, they were not a part of the original text. The verses that we see today were not a part of the original text. That's the problem that we find ourselves running into. Like we think that our Bibles, that they were constructed exactly the way that we see them today, but they weren't, they weren't read as, as verses the way that we read them today, which is part of why we see a lot of heresies in, in our, in today's time, more so than we do, than we may have in the past, because people again, can rip the scripture and say, well, according to this book, this chapter, this verse, this must be true because it's God's word. And it's like, dude, you're ripping it from context you're ripping it from context. Like no, that's not how it works. That's not that's not how it goes down. And so again, we have to be ever so careful and ever so mindful that we as the believers that we know our church history. This thing that they found this P P Oxy um P Oxy 5575 is a is fascinating. Like it's that it's really cool to know. You still got some text out here, you know? And so it's very cool to see that. But again, you have some people who will feel as though, you know, because they ha- because they have this, now all of a sudden, it gives us the proof that we need that God doesn't exist. It's like, dude, that thing been out there. The gospel of Thomas has been out there. Like, that's nothing new, you know? in the, the fact that they mixed those things up, we don't know what those things were mixed up for. Can I use my imagination for a bit? I would be of the mindset that, you know, this person who, who put this thing together and threw it in a landfill or whatever, you know, he was trying to line up the gospel of Thomas with the gospels of Matthew and Luke. Or was trying to line up the gospels of Matthew and Luke to the gospel of Thomas and be like, see, right here, that don't make sense because according to this, this is what happened here. And so how, how are we making this line up? That don't make sense that this was here and that was there. And so we had, again, a lot of intermingling of text prior to the canon being constructed because again this was but this was put together back in the second century and so again you know what we again discover is that you have some you have you have people that were trying to figure this thing out and they were getting their manuscripts from this place and that place in an attempt to know more about the lord know more about christ and what he's accomplished for us and all those sort of things and so again we, we as we grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of god we can also know about our church history, know more about who God is and what he has accomplished for us on the cross. And um and as we un- and as we unpack our church history, we have a better understanding of what we see when things like this happen. Because again, you're gonna have some people who are gonna see this, see a story like this, and be like, Oh, see, this is why I don't follow God now because y'all had this whole thing going on and all these little of mixings, and so how can you trust that your stuff is reliable? And it's like, dude. That's one scroll. That's one scroll. You're so you gonna discount all the other scrolls? No, discount all the other things that've been discovered, all the other texts that they found. That's not the only thing they found in that landfill, in that particular landfill. And so you talk. So you're just gonna discount everybody else's landfills, everybody else's you know discoveries and how everything's lined up and how the Jewish rabbis have come to this Bible and be like, dude, that what y'all do. This this lines up. I went to the original scrolls. Those things line up. Like. So again, we'll we'll take the one thing. There's my proof. Discount all the other ninety-nine, and say that's my one. That's my proof, and build our whole monument off of that. So again, it just gives us as the believers an opportunity to be informed about something that has happened, and in being informed, we are then able to um to have a better um a better position to be able to t- to talk to, um. To talk to people about the things that we know about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our church history. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thank y'all for the 3,600 likes that we've received thus far. Keep those likes coming. I appreciate y'all so, so much. Um, thank you for every like, every comment, every follow, every share. If you have missed any part of this message, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to all of our episodes from inception to now. We thank you so much, and we'll be right back with you in just a moment. Watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 4,200 likes that we have received on today. Thank you so much. Keep those likes coming. Really do appreciate y'all from the bottom of my heart. And definitely thank you guys for the participation in the comment box below. Keep those comments coming. Again, I'm reading everything that you guys are saying. I just may not respond to everything because I got a whole bunch of other stuff that we are so backed up on in the queue. Um, and so just keep those comments coming. And I promise if you do have a legitimate question that you have for the True Gospel Morning Show, your question will be written down. And on a later episode, we shall talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. Um, and so definitely keep those comments coming and know that I'm reading everything you guys are saying. I'm just not going to respond to it because if I do, then I'm going to lose my train of thought and then the show's going to be derailed. Um So um, for our sanctification session today, I want to talk about the um, the concept of gaslighting, but I want to talk about it from a different perspective, Um, because a lot of times we have a lot of us in our culture today have misappropriated the word gaslighting and think it to mean any time that someone doesn't believe what we're what we're thinking. I have a client who came to me and told me that he feels like he's being gaslit by his parents. Um, he says that, you know, that over the course of the past few months, he's come to realize that his parents have been trying to manipulate him this, his entire life. So from the time that he was a child to now, they've been trying to manipulate him. And most recently, they were trying to manipulate him into getting into a relationship with these people that he didn't want to get into a relationship with. And so as I'm listening to him, he said that he wants to have a final conversation with them so that he can tell them, you know, his truth and hope that I can get them to see his side of things. And so I said to him, well, let me go talk to the family and then I'll come and then we'll come together and we'll talk as a a whole. As I went to go talk to the family, the family tells me I don't understand anything that he's talking about. You know, I don't understand where it's coming from. You know, everything that he said that we've done, you know, as far as I can tell, we, you know, we've loved him. We've given him everything that he's needed. We've been able to try to, you know, give him the best that we could. We put, we put him in the best schools that we could. You know, we tried to. You know push him in the direction that he wanted to go into he's doing very well for himself We're very proud of him and proud of his accomplishments and proud of his achievements and things But for some reason or another, you know Ever since this situation happened with his ex-girlfriend all of a sudden he feels like we're his enemy, you know And everybody seems to be his enemy like it, it, it doesn't matter who it is if they don't believe what he's saying He thinks that they're out to get him and they think that they're out to hurt him You know, he said some mean and hurtful things to me said some mean and hurtful things to my wife And I just don't understand what's going on. He don't even want a relationship with his sister us anymore like he just cut everybody off he just just cut every just everybody's no longer on his side and no one we're all trying to make sense of it like it just doesn't make sense like he things so badly that we're against him that you know we were listening to some music one day you know while he was at the house and he felt like you know that we were trying to a lot that we were you know trying to purposefully make him upset because it was the same music that his ex-girlfriend liked and it's like i mean i like that music too you know tay tay ain't just for your ex-girlfriend i like some tay tay too you know so it's like you know if i want to listen to tay tay dog it i'm gonna listen to some tay tay so i don't understand what's going on like you know why you feel like you gotta um why you feel like you got to um you know have a an exclusion you know right on on Taylor Swift just because you know I like it too. And so again like I don't understand why you so upset. And so after I got done talking with the family, I got a better understanding and picture of what was happening in that space and so then I went back to the um to the to the client and I asked him and I you know was talking to him once again and said, "Hey, tell me again how all this came to be. How how is this happening? What's going on here? Why do you feel the way that you feel about your family and things like that?" And he gave me the same story over again how he felt like he they were gaslighting him trying to make him feel like the things that he knew happened didn't happen and things like that. And I asked him a question. I said, how did you come up with that? Where did you construct that? And he said, from months of therapy. And that's, that, that was the key for me. We sometimes will create narratives of what we think has happened to us based upon someone else aligning with us rather than giving them the truth about what happened in a situation and allowing that person to then feed back to us what we ought to do. In therapy, I always caution myself when it comes to listening to a client because clients can sometimes distort the facts. Sometimes clients just want to come in because they want somebody to be on their side. And so they will distort reality in an attempt to find an ally. And for my client. He already has another therapist. It's not me. He wanted me to be a facilitator of a three-way conversation between them. And so he has a whole nother therapist who he gave his side of the facts to this therapist. And this therapist helped him construct the narrative in which he has been the victim his entire life. And they, when he wanted, just as Michigan man said, have him boosted up. So yeah, it's all their fault. How dare they, you know, try to get you to get better grades in school? How dare they, you know, not allow you to be your fullest self and live out your dreams? And how dare they try to, you know, perhaps, you know, push you in a certain direction because they see it as a path forward for you instead of, well, no, I made some bad grades in school. And so my parents got upset about me with that thing. And it felt like they felt like I wasn't going anywhere. So they offered going into the military as a way to try to, you know, move me forward in the life in having a, having a decent life, you know, and all these different things, you know, they, they, it was all a matter of perspective in the therapy room. Again, I always have to be careful when people are giving me a perspective because I can only do my job based upon what they're telling me. I can only give them what they're giving back to what they're I can only give back to them what they're giving back, what they're giving to me. So I always have to do my due diligence to ask the, the right questions to make sure, are we existing in reality? Or are you existing in your perception? Because two people can see the same situation from a totally different perspective, using a totally different lens, and come to two totally different conclusions about what the facts are. These are the facts. For the parents, we're trying to raise him up to be the best person that he can be. Before the other, man, they're trying to gaslight me. They're trying to make me into something that I'm not. So I told my client, it sounds like you want to be your own person. Having a conversation with your parents about you being your own person is not going to make a difference. If what you say is true and they've been gaslighting you this whole time. If you want to be your own person, cut them off. If what you're saying is true and they've been gaslighting you this whole time cut them off you don't need to have another conversation with them because if what you are saying is true all they're going to do is, is gaslight you all over again right and he was like wow I never, really, I never thought about it like that I'm like I mean I'm surprised you and your therapist hadn't had a conversation about that because that's what needs to happen you need to cut them off if, if they are the monsters that you painted them out to be and I made sure I said that said that, just like I said it, if they are the monsters you're painting them out to be, then what sense does it make to go back to the monsters? Cut them off. Because you already know what they're going to say. You already know what they're going to do. And so I bring that up to read these scriptures to us today to unpack perception versus reality. God tells us through the words of Paul of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We, if we're going to worship God, must worship God in spirit and truth. If we're going to worship God, we worship Him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. So if we're going to be, if we're going to be believers in Christ, then we must walk in truth, live in truth, not in perception, but in truth. This is what happened. I told one of my clients yesterday, your feelings are going to get you in trouble because you keep operating in your feelings and you won't operate in the truth. You keep telling yourself, I feel, I I feel like I'm an awful person, but you don't test that up against reality. Well, you have all these people in your life who are telling you you're great. You're brilliant. You're kind. You're confident. You're cool. You're awesome. So I'm not saying to not feel your feelings, But you can't operate in that space. Feelings are fleeting. You have to own your feelings and walk in the truth. I may feel like I'm the worst person ever, but I got all this evidence to the contrary. And if I'm walking in Christ, I'm walking in the truth. And the truth is, by his power and might, I am a good person. But not because of what I did, because of what he did. He makes me good. I don't have to work to be good. He makes me good. And now the inner working of the goodness that he gives me, I'm not able to walk out. Therefore, as it says again in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 2, I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 4. I say this that in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Our perception sometimes can distort the truth. Our perception of things can distort reality. And as a result, we may find ourselves walking in directions that we were never meant to walk in. And because of the age of TikTok, and again, hey, I'm here, I'm on it. So, hey, it is what it is. But because of the age of TikTok, we will allow ourselves to be placed in echo chambers. And so if I'm listening to 20 people talk about gaslighting, nine times out of 10, I'm going to feel gaslit. Because now I'm caring about the spirit of gaslighting. So that if no if no one believes what I'm saying, then, oh my goodness, I'm being gaslit. Just like that person on TikTok said. When gaslighting is much more than just not being believed. It's so much more than that. Sometimes we can feel like everybody's gaslighting just because what we're saying, they ain't falling for that. But because we can manufacture a perception and then believe the perception to be reality, we can walk in such a way to where we're exchanging the truth about God for a lie and worshiping creation rather than creator. We put the blinders on and we live by the blinders. I tell you this all so many times, and it's going to apply in our next segment. Unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you're not going to understand the things of God. Unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and have the scales removed from your eyes, the perceptions of our minds taken from us and allowed to walk in reality, you are not going to understand the things of God, and you, will not un- and you will not be able to walk in truth. You'll only be able to walk in perception. And sometimes our perception can get us in a world of hurt. Look through the comments today. You see so many people's perceptions of God, and God is, is saying to everybody, dude, you don't know me. You think you know me, but you don't know me at all. And it's because of a perception that has been placed on their eyes, which is why we pray. God, remove the scales from their eyes. God, give them a heart of flesh. Take out the heart of stone that they may beat. The 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 heartbeat of God may rest in them. That you pour your spirit into them so that they can see, they can taste and see how good you are. I feel for this guy that I saw because he has allowed himself to be placed in an echo chamber that makes him think that his family wants nothing to do with him and have been gaslighting him since he was two, since he was three years old. Like, dude, ain't nobody gaslighting you in no two or three. But I can't tell him that at this point because he's so deluded and his own therapist has helped him. To be deluded. Not by the therapist's own fault, but because he brought him a distorted view, brought the therapist a distorted view of the facts. And in giving him that, they constructed a narrative that said, your parents have been gaslighting you this whole time. And so now he is going to cut off very good people in his life so that he can be his own person. Doesn't that sound like the prodigal son? I want to do what I want to do. So I'm cutting myself off. Give me what's mine. I'm cutting myself off. I'm going to go be my own person. All right, buddy. You got it. We, as the believers of God, got to be ever so careful that we're not in echo chambers, echo chambers where we're being deluded into not walking in truth. We wonder why so many people in the political landscape regardless of what what side you land on are so willing to, you know, stand up for what they believe in at the expense of their faith. They, they're claiming Jesus but they're claiming their position much harder in the name of Jesus. We wonder why people can justify the things that they're doing that they're doing that is dead wrong. In the name of Jesus. Wonder how people can hurt people in the church. In the name of Jesus. Because they're walking contrary to the truth. They're walking a perspective. It is a wonderful thing when God can shatter our perspectives. Because it helps us to walk in truth. When we're really walking in Jesus and walking in truth, the, the the perspectives are shattered, because the only perspective that matters is Christ's. And to be able to walk in Christ's perspective, to walk in Christ's truth, it's a wonder. It's a marvel. We're able to to have the eye of God, to have the the heartbeat of God, and be able to see and perceive things as He does. It's a marvel. Because the same Holy Spirit that lives this, uh, lives in us is the same God that that um that God said to Moses, "I can't let you see me if you see me, you perish. that power that God lives in us, and what a joy to know that the God that we serve thought it not robbery to get on a cross and die." Credit us with his righteousness so that his spirit can live and rule and reside and abide in us. That we can have the eye of God. We can have the heart of God beating in our hearts and showing us the way. Be able to discern things that are spiritual. Because we have a spiritual being living inside of us. It doesn't make us God. So I dare not blaspheme doesn't make us God, but it sure does make us Christ-like. And it makes us fully human. For the only thing that can fill a heart full of eternity is something eternal. And thanks be to God that God thought it not robbery to be both just and the justifier. And filling us with his spirit so that we can be the children of God that he destined us to be. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thankful for the 4,900 likes that we've received on today. Go ahead and keep those likes coming. I appreciate y'all so, so much for every like, every comment, every follow, every share. If you've missed any part of this message, you can go right now to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. and and listen to the true gospel morning show the podcast at your leisure you can catch up on all the episodes you can replay your favorite episodes um and it's all there for you uh 100% free we thank you guys so much for all that you're doing for the show and we'll be right back in just a moment watching the true gospel morning show with your boy eddie d right here on tiktok live We're with you Monday through friday 6 a.m to 8 a.m eastern standard time um so um so um let me i want to make sure i get this person's name right and i hope you're still here in the chat with us um he had given the name earlier and i'm gonna make sure i get this right because i don't want to get it wrong he wrote down how to say his last name and so where it at where that where that joseph guadagno Joseph Guadagno asked this question, or rather made this statement, God is a woman because woman gives life. That was the statement that he made, and he got on the show not too long ago, I don't know if he's still here at this point, but he got on the show today and he said the same thing, and he and Michigan Man have been going back and forth about it for the past 10 minutes. And again, I'm so grateful y'all able to have the conversation and not go to the typical blows that it goes to. I'm telling y'all, if you just keep it classy, y'all can run this chat box all you want to. Just keep it classy. You start throwing barbs, that's when we got to hit that mute button. So thank y'all for showing the example. That's all I'm saying. That is all I'm saying. So again, you know, just keep it classy, and you can run that chat box all you want to. So, but to answer the, so I'm going to answer that question to, or rather. I answered the statement um, that he made today and I'm going to start by um, Pastor Eric Mason um, who had this to say about um, pronouns uh, being appropriated in the faith.
1: This Is the one that's suddenly coming into the church uh, changing God's preferred pronoun? It's funny, and we're not knocking nobody. But I say this in love. You want your pronoun but because you want to make it. now we know God theologically is non-corporeal. Are y'all talking with me? Meaning he has no body. He has no body, and he doesn't have a gender. However, biblically his preferred pronoun is he, him, right? But some people on the planet decided that God they want I want the feminine God.
0: More than i calling him she. I want to talk to you. So I want
1: to talk to you soon. Who do you think you are? to demand that God change the express way that he wants to reveal himself. Now, why am I saying this? Not to beat up on a certain community, but when you begin to compromise pieces of God's truth, it is the entryway into apostasy. All
0: right, that was Pastor Eric Mason, um, who, um, thank you, thank you Asha, appreciate you. Um, um, that was pastor Eric Mason, um, who, um, brought that up on, um, during one of his sermons Um. that sermon called anchored. Um, all right. So, but let me put my disclaimer out there. If y'all been on the show long enough, you know what my disclaimer is. Unless you have a relationship with the Lord, what I'm about to say to you is not going to make sense. Say it again. Unless you have a relationship with the Lord, what I'm about to say to you is not going to make sense. And for proof of that, we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where it says, verse number 9, As it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts... Except the spirit of that person which is in him. So no one also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we may understand the things freely given by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of God that accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So again, I'm saying this to say what I'm about to say to you, Joseph Guadagno, if you're still on the show, unless you have a relationship with the Lord, what I'm about to say to you is not going to make sense. So I ask that you just listen to me. Don't try to comment on it or anything just just hear me out and then after i'm done you want to send your comments by all means send your comments but here is here it is we the believers in god believe that they believe in everything that has been written in this bible and we believe it because we believe that this is the inspired word of god by the holy spirit despite the fact that it was written by 33 other people in the 66 different books and all across whole whole spans of time, we believe that the Holy Spirit was the orchestrator of all things. And he orchestrated it such to where the canon was put together in 300 to give us a robust understanding of who God is, the character and nature and all that jazz, right? And we get that from 2 Timothy chapter 3 when it says in verse 16, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay? So, we believe everything that the scripture says. We believe in everything that the scripture is. We believe everything the scripture is not. Right? So, when we go... Back to second Corinthians where we just were um, a few moments ago. Scripture says, second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17, "The Lord is spirit. The Lord is spirit. So the Lord is not a gender. And he's not a gender because he's not human. He created us as humans. Gave us a sexuality and gave us a gender. But God is spirit. He's neither male nor female. But he's also not an it. He's also not an it. So we don't say it. We don't say it. Now, God chose to reveal himself to us in the form of he. We see it all from Genesis through Revelation. He, he. Again, what are we saying? As believers, because again, Jason, like I said, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you're not going to understand what I'm saying. All scripture is breathed through the Holy Spirit. Which means that if he's being addressed as he throughout these scriptures, we are making the assumption based on what we see and based on what we know about the Bible itself, that this is what God prefers. So I am not in a space to tell God how I should address him. I cannot be in a position to tell God, well, God, I don't care how you want to be addressed. I'm going to address you the way that I want to address you. I don't care how you want how you how you prefer to be addressed. I'm going to address you the way that I want to address you. That's that puts us in God's seat. All throughout scripture, we see he him his himself. Jesus called his father him he His, himself, and if Jesus addressed God that way, I and my father are one, who are we to tell God, God, you're not my father, you're my mother, God, you're not he, you're a she. Jesus himself addressed God, again, and again, go to Philippians, going to Philippians chapter two, I see what you're doing, God. Philippians chapter two verse five. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being in the born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So, if Jesus himself, who is equal with God, God the Son, because again, they're the Holy Trinity, three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all equal, three in one. If Jesus himself humbled himself and called his person he's equal to, Father, he, him, himself, Who the heck are we to tell God how to address him? Almost cussed. Who the F do we think we are to think that we have any ability to tell God how we should address him? Again, that's why I say you got to have a walk with God in order to understand this, because if you ain't got a walk with him, you're going to call him whatever you want to call him anyway. You're not following him. You're not worshiping him. You're not seeking after him in the first place. So why would you even have the why would you believe anything I'm trying to say? But again, that's why I said what I said. You got to have a walk with him in order to understand this, because here it is. I am in no position to tell God how to be addressed. I'm in no position that I'm in I am a human being. I am not the creator of the universe. So I don't have a I don't have a I, I my righteousness before God is but a filthy rag before the God before the God of all creation. I have no position, no right to tell God who he is. And as cat armor is trying to trying to trying to warp. Listen, I don't follow Marvel. I'm not worshiping Marvel. I don't bow down to the gods of Marvel. I bow down to the God almighty of the scriptures. My God does not take on many forms. He is spirit. And those that worship him worship in spirit and truth. So, again, but again, even with you, Cat Armor, I'm not expecting you to understand that. I'm not expecting you to understand that. I'm not expecting you to to understand anything that we're talking about, because at the end of the day, I can be a fan of both. I just can't worship both. I can love, just like you can love the Marvel, the movies that you watch and the shows that you watch. I can too. I don't have to. I'm not bowing down to them. But I digress. And that's why I tell y'all I try not to be in these comments because again I start getting these comments and then all of a sudden I get, I get sidetracked. The point is, I can't, I am in no position to tell God how he should be addressed. God wrote all throughout this scripture, he, him. He's called father, not mother. So I'm in no position tell God how to be addressed now let's be clear God does possess both masculine and feminine traits he possesses both of them that's why he said let us make man in our image in our likeness and what did he do male and female he created them both why is marriage so important to God that it be male and female? Because it is a picture of the of the nature of the of the character and nature of Christ's relationship to the church and God's relationship to Himself. Adam and Eve are the picture of the Godhead. Male and female are the picture. of... Of the Godhead. Because we both possess the qualities of the character and nature of God. And so we, the believers in God, we have to be ever so careful that we not fall for the height. This whole idea of God is a woman because God because woman births God is the giver of life yes but that is just one piece of who God is just because women birth babies doesn't make God female because yes God is the giver of life but God is also the destroyer too. Have you not read Revelation and what he's he's going to accomplish in the end? God is both nurturer and he's warrior, lion and lamb. I'm not trying to call women lambs. It's not what I'm trying to say, but I'm trying to say masculine and feminine qualities. God possesses both. And he decided to be addressed as he addressed as Abba. Now, again, it's not to say that men, you know, because, again, we've got love and wrath, you know, as the Michigan man is saying, it's not to say that men are wrath and women are love. That's not what we're trying to say. But what we're saying is God possesses all the qualities of all of mankind, both male and female. And, And in that he decides how he wants to be addressed. I ain't got a heaven or a hell to put God in. I ain't got a heaven or a hell to put myself in. I ain't got a heaven or a hell to put anybody else in. So who am I to tell God how to address him, how to be addressed? I cannot say that I believe in Jesus and I believe in his word and I believe in everything that he said in these scrolls. And then have the audacity to say, but I'm going to address you as a female because you are the giver of life. But that's why I said what I said in the beginning, which I always say every time we get into debates like this. Unless you have a relationship with Jesus, you are not going to understand what we're saying. And you will be stuck in your own perspective, your own perspective. Way of thinking, your own way of being, your own imaginations, and then try to apply God to your imagination. Apply God to your perspective. Apply God to how you view and operate in the world. It don't work like that. You can try to make it work like that, but it don't work like that. We don't say heavenly mother because that's not how he chose to be addressed. And we don't get to pick and choose how we address God. He already handled that through the 66 books. Yes, God is the giver of life. But that's just one piece of who he is. He is. I am. Like, that's it. Like, that encompasses everything. So, how dare we try to put God in a box that He did, He Himself didn't put Himself in? We the people of god we the cre- creation i ain't even going to say the people of god all the creation how dare we try to put ourselves in god's seat i'm going to put it like this and i don't mind saying it have you died for anybody lately have you gotten on the cross and died for the sins of the world lately Have you sacrificed your life for the sins of the world lately? Have you descended into hell lately? Have you beat up hell in your recent memory? Have you risen from the grave lately? Has God given you the name above every name that at your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess? That you are Lord. Have you credited. Your righteousness to us. That we. Might have entry into the kingdom. And lady P you better say that. Come on now. Come on now. Is man not to give her life. Because man gives seed for life. I mean you you better preach. But again here it is. Like have you. Have you have you died for our sins, like? Because if you have, holla at your boy and let me know. Because maybe I'm following the wrong Jesus. Have you gotten up out that grave? Have you declared that all power in heaven and earth belongs to you? Have you declared that it is finished? Have you declared that, that if you be lifted up, you would draw all men to you? Because if you have, holla at your boy. Let me know. Because here it is. None of y'all. None of y'all. None of us. Me. I. None of us. Can say. That I deserve to be in the seat of judgment and tell God who to be. Only Jesus, oh my gosh, only Jesus has that right. And look at what he did. He humbled himself. Only Jesus has the right. And he humbled himself. And if the God of the universe, the second in the Godhead, could humble himself before the almighty God, how dare we, as his creation, tell God how we're going to address him? God loves us, no doubt about it, but guess what? He don't need us. He loves us, but he don't need us. I tell y'all this often. I tell y'all this often. If God wanted to, He could kill me, make another me, give that other me all my memories, all my all my um, the quirks, my issues, my problems, my joys, my triumphs, my accomplishments, achievements. Get the hairs on my head, the grays in my beard. Put this jersey on him, sit him right here in the seat, and I wouldn't even know I died. If He wanted to. That's how insignificant I am. So how dare any of us have the audacity, the unmitigated gall to tell God, I'm going to address you as she because I want to. You are a woman to me. Boy, if you don't get out of here, God did Job like this. Since you so big and bad, dress up for battle. Where were you when the stars were formed? Where were you when I put the mountains up? Where were you when the rivers and trees were formed, when I gave life to everything in this earth? Where were you? I mean, you talking big and bad, so dress up, come on. Where were you? The issue that a lot of unbelievers have is that we've become so lofty in our thinking that we think that we know better than God. We think we know more than him. And like I said, unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you are going to continue to think that way. That's why I said I answer the question, but I I ain't got a heaven or hell to put nobody in. You know, you do you do what you do what you will with it. But at the end of the day, if you're gonna stay stuck in your mindset, hey, I got nothing but love for you. But let it be known This is what it is. And if you choose to have a relationship with the Lord, you can't have a relationship with the Lord, but then try to have God be the way you want Him to be. You got to accept him all or nothing. And so I submit to us today as believers, don't fall for the hype. God is spirit and those who will worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we the believers in God but got to be ever so careful that we are not falling for the hype and trying to create God out of our own imaginations because if we do that, then we run the risk of falling for a plausible argument. And like we said at the very beginning of the show, those plausible arguments can lead us down a path of darkness that will only cause us to have more enmity between us and God than we ever could imagine. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our um feel-good story of the day, or something praiseworthy today, Um, we're coming out of... um trying to see where they were uh, about um, um coming off of nbc news linda carroll on october 18th tells us that snoozers can rejoice because here's why hitting that little snooze button might actually be beneficial um if you're concerned that hitting the snooze button multiple times in the morning could be hurting your sleep you can sleep easy for most people snoozing has no impact on sweeps on sleep quality a new study suggests what's more for some hitting the for some Hitting the snooze button multiple times over 30 minutes may spark alertness more quickly than sleeping through without a break, according to the study published Wednesday in the Journal of Sleep Research. The study, found that that, the study found that snoozing for 30 minutes in the morning does not make you more tired or more likely to wake up from deep sleep. The study's lead author, Tina Sutherland, an associate professor in the Department of Psychology at Stockholm's University in Sweden, said in an email... For those who usually snooze, it might even be helpful in waking. Among the 1,732 adults who filled out a questionnaire about their waking habits in the morning, 69% said they hit the snooze button at least sometimes, especially on weekdays. Many, 60%, said they most often or always fell asleep between alarms, the result being that on average snoozers got just a little less sleep. Overall, snoozers were more likely to be an average of six years younger than non-snoozers and almost four times as likely to be night owls. Snoozers were also three times more likely to to report feeling drowsy when they woke up. The top reason for choosing to snooze rather than have an unbroken stretch of sleep was that a person couldn't wake up or was too tired. The next two common reasons was that Uh, Snoozing feels good and that it allows a person to wake up more slowly or softly to take a closer look at the impact of snoozing. The researchers recruited 31 people to spend several nights in a sleep lab. All of the people included in this part of the study said they hit the snooze button several times in the morning, at least two or more days a week. The participants average age was about 27 and none had any sleep disorders such as insomnia on two different nights. Um, Well, let me let me scroll down because I'm running out of time when snoozing, as opposed to when having to wake up right away. I would say that they came to alertness quicker, even though there was no difference in how sleepy or alert they felt subjectively. Sutherland said it is possible that snoozing is preferable to some because it spreads out the process of waking, said Marie Pierre Saint-Ange. The director of the Center of Excellence for Sleep in Circadian Research at Columbia University's Vagalos College of Physicians and Surgeons in New York City. Quote, people who snooze for 30 minutes are actually falling back to sleep between alarms, said St. who wasn't involved in the new research. Not a deep sleep, but a light sleep so that when they had to wake up at the end of 30 minutes, they were not being yanked out of a deeper sleep, a, st- a le- deeper stage of sleep. They might have felt this was a more gentle awakening. The people in the second study will also confirm snoozers, St. Ange said, adding that it might be interesting to run the same experiment with people who usually, usually who typically choose not to snooze. It's not surprising that snoozing is more common among young people because we already know their sleep cycles are shifted later in teens and young adults, Mal- Malo said, adding that it might be snoozers that to stop snoozing. It may be that snoozers stop snoozing as they get older. So, saying all that to say... If you are a snoozer, congratulations. We just found some good reason to keep on snoozing Um, because it allows us to have a gentle awakening, which I never realized that that was what I wanted to do. But now that I know that's what I want to do, dog, that's probably what I'm going to do from now on. I am gently awakening from my slumber rather than having a hard wake up. And so, oh, listen, listen, Nicole. Oh, it's over with. It's over with. <laughs> like, I should have never read this. I told you this is good news. This is what we do. So now that we know what we're doing, oh, we're going to do it every morning. Like, it's over with. Like, <laughs> it's over. Faregone conclusion. What do you mean? And so this is, I, this is great news for me. This is something very praiseworthy. Thank you, God, <laughs> for the people at the sleep center <laughs> who decided they wanted to figure out if snoozing was beneficial. Because now that we know that snoozing is beneficial, dadgum, I'm going to snooze. It's going to be my way of gently awakening myself and being more alert to be on this morning show with you guys from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm already wired as it is, but now I know I'm going to be wired AF because I get to snooze now and I have a benefit for snoozing. So I'm very grateful. And I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to milk this. I'm going to milk this to the cows come home. They should have never put this out there because I am going to use it liberally. Thank you guys so, so much for being a part of the morning show this um, this week. I want to thank all of my people who have who have been on the show, um, being a part of the my, my day ones. I thank y'all so, so much for being a part of this show. I thank you for the 5,000 likes that we got today. Thank y'all so much for every comment, every like, every share. Thank you so much for Um, for being a part of everything we've done all this week. I really do pray and hope that you have a wonderful weekend. Let us continue to pray for our people in Palestine and Israel as they're going through what they're going through. Let's pray for a peaceful resolution to that whole situation and let us pray for those who have lost lives and those who are being deeply affected um, here and abroad um, with the situation. I love y'all so, so much. Have a wonderful rest of your week and weekend. Come back here Monday morning for the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. And as always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.